Hi, this is your Fungin Master, David Hallman, and I'm here to talk to you about Enchanted Manor Mead. Now, the Enchanted Manor Meadery is the official meadery of the Texas Renaissance Festival, and actually, uh, a place I worked for a good five to seven years. They make excellent mead, and they also have a mead club where you can sign up and receive three bottles of mead to your door every three months. And two of those flavors in that box are going to be experimental things. Things like hibiscus habanero, kumquat, s'mores, Halloween. Wait, hold on. Halloween? It says Halloween on... What the hell? Halloween's not a fun... Okay. Anyway, if you'd like to check them out, their website is mead.today. And if you'd like to buy some mead, use offer code POD10 at checkout to get 10% off your order. The Enchanted Manor Meadery. Good mead made by good people. She said a friend showed her the path and that her duty was to pass that along. The Zellerites had been immersed in deceit and subterfuge for centuries, but she showed them the true strength of trust. Her family, while considered great by the hegemonic council that ruled the planet, was deeply flawed and sought to use her to their own ends. Her return was met with resistance, particularly by those who previously kept her in the dark and looked to use her powers to suppress those around them. And keep their heels on the necks of the weak. It was, well, it was not an easy process, but a necessary one. Zelron's old fife and class system are things of the past, and psychics freely give out information to those seeking it. While not a utopia, they are re-establishing themselves on a galactic scale. Zelron is here, they say, and our new society will drive the Milky Way into a new age of equality. You just may not know it yet. Welcome back, fellow traveler, to Good Better Quest. Join us as we go on a long errand. in a darkened area on the ship, surrounded by technology that you're unfamiliar with. There is low lighting around you, and Crumb is floating alongside you with Parcel, who's mostly keeping up, but mostly in awe of what's around him. You recently found a telepathic map, and you guys are following it? You're, you're going along the uh, kind of clairvoyant path that's been given to you. What is Raquel's plan? What is she thinking? What is she hoping for to get out of this? Raquel, she's 
a little bit of guilt is setting in that she ran away, but she knew that, you know, no one's going to fault her for trying to protect Parcel because he was just an innocent. She's also, she's connected to the ship twice now, and that's fascinating because she's never had an opportunity to do something that big with her psychic abilities before. So she's got a lot of different thoughts running through her mind, but but also Crumb, Crumb knows something that he hasn't told us yet. And, and so she's got a lot of feelings right now. This is a lot. <laughs> and while you both have been walking down this hall, he's been very quiet. Crumb mm-hmm. has mostly kept to himself. Whenever you turn down a hall, he, he kind of gives Parcel little signals of where they're going. And it still seems that through all of this, even in his confusion, Parcel is giving Crumb the utmost deference. He's he's not bowing and scraping to him, but he takes what Crumb is saying to him almost as gospel. He doesn't question it. There is no hesitation in, in taking Crumb's instructions. But I think as you guys are walking through these corridors, it's open. It's not hard to follow this path. You aren't having to climb through anything. There's no mm-hmm. weird, you know, doors or key codes you're having to worry about. It's it's essentially maintenance access everywhere. You, you can tell that. You guys come to a big intersection and Crumb stops you for a second. I imagine that you have a lot of questions for me. And I didn't get as good a picture of where we're going as you did. Uh, you know, I just acted as a an amplifier for you, but I get the feeling you've pieced some things together. He turns around and faces Parcel, and two of his Tesla coils kind of wrap him in a hug, and he, he brings him closer to stand in front of you. This creature is related to me somehow. I don't know how, and I know you know that. I don't think he knows that. Parcel looks from Crumb to you a a couple of times, and he really takes stock of himself having heard that. He he looks at his body, and he looks at Crumb, and he's trying to figure out how closely related they are. And... He looks back up at Crumb and says, We've always been taught that everything has come from the oracles, that everything is made from you, but we are but pieces of a greater puzzle. It is, it is known that we are your progeny, but to be related to a deity is beyond what is possible for people like me. Crumb shakes his entire body, (laughs) sort of like his head on top of his his little Tesla coil carpet. No, it's not beyond what can be done, but it is a perversion of what should be done. It's, It's hard to explain because it's not your fault, but the people that I come from and the people you come from 
We're not supposed to separate like this. We are, we are what we are. And changing that has caused problems in the past. And it's something that we have railed against for millennia. It's part of why this ship left the Milky Way when it did. And Crumb just turns to look at you. Doesn't say anything more, but he takes a, a, a deep breath. His, his chest kind of puffs out. And he, he relaxes back into his, his seat. So you knew this ship came from the Milky Way in the first place and then left? Did you know this ship existed? I did. It's a long story, but I can give you a, a brief history. No, that would take too long. I can give you a summation. Okay. My... It's hard to say people, but the, the culture that I'm from has been in the Milky Way for a long time. And we're what's referred to as colonial organisms. We're all really part of one big thing. You know, I told Hagen that I've been around for a couple of hundred thousand years, and while that's not a lie, it's not entirely true. We have to split our our beings every once in a while. If we don't, we essentially go insane. If we stay in the same form for too long, we just wither away into madness. So I, in this form, am only about 250 years old. My concern is that the group that decided to leave the Milky Way out of anger and curiosity, it seems like they found a reason to have to come back home. And the concern is that they, they never went through that process. It seems like they've kept their beings in the same form so that they don't lose any memories to, I don't know, heighten their fear of what's coming? The darkness. I don't know what that is. I, I, I keep hearing that in this message they're sending out, but it sounds like a metaphor, but with, with what parcel is, it can't be. It, it has to be something physical. We wouldn't essentially clone ourselves and and breed other species for whatever purpose they have without the direst of consequences. I, I have to believe that. The people we sent out were angry, but they weren't crazy. He looks at Parcel and Parcel perks up a little bit and he says, the oracles have, have provided for us for as long as, as History can remember. We've been in the bedrock. At least that's what I thought it was for for all eternity. Having you arrive, you've come outside of existence into our world, and that that's something they warned us about the the darkness doing. It's it's very unclear because it's just a folktale that we tell from generation to generation about about the darkness, but essentially, when we get to our location, wherever that might be, we're to repopulate this planet. And he, he, he looks around him. Clearly, 
They have lied to us, but I have to believe it's for a good reason. So, are we sure that the darkness is actually real and not part of their insanity? Like, I... 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 Unlike Parcel, I, I was raised that technology is great. And... And they're saying that we need to de-evolve in order to protect ourselves, but that, that just doesn't... It doesn't make sense because of all the good things that have happened. And oh, oh, this is really confusing. Um, Parcel Parcel tenses up when you say that technology is great, and he says, "Technology is what calls out to the darkness. It's how they've found the civilizations in other galaxies. It's what's called them to bring their war to the rest of the universe." If you have these abominations calling out to them, it's only a matter of time before they find you. But won't they find you? Because this, I mean, this entire ship is technology. Like, this is, this is more advanced than I've ever seen. Won't, won't this also attract them? I, I, I'm, I know that it's, it's probably not right for me to be questioning your your beliefs, but th- it just doesn't add up. Crumb thinks for a second, and he looks at you and he says, Did we ever figure out why the ship began to uh, you know, all systems fail as, as we entered? Oh, no. I I I completely forgot that happened. So I know we left Captain Calvin working on it, but so all the ship systems failed, but but things like the batteries we had to bring didn't fail. Do you still have the communicator? I, I might be able to get a message through. Yeah, yeah, and I hand over the communicator. But it sounded like you said crumbunicator. I did say crumbunicator. I love it. Oh my god. I hand over the <laughs> crumbunicator. Crumb scoops it up into the middle of the, the magic carpet. I just like referring to that, his his body as the magic carpet. Yeah. And he encompasses it and he puts all four Tesla coils together. A small cloud of lightning kind of shocks it and supercharges it. Can you hand me two of the batteries? I'm gonna I'm gonna try and essentially do what I did for you psychically, but we're gonna see if I can do it technologically too. Okay. And I hand over two of the batteries. Crumb takes the the communicator, and he's his his Tesla coils are very advanced. He's able to manipulate things through the the use of these little lightning bolts that come off. So he opens it up and he he connects a couple of the batteries and. On the side of the batteries, they're, they're like those old Energizer batteries that used to touch the sides and you could see how charged they were. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's little green lights. And almost as soon as he connects them to the, the, the headset, you can see them begin to drain and you realize that you're only going to have a couple of seconds to communicate. But some static comes through and Crumb is able to get the communication systems of the manticore and you hear a scuffle on the other end you hear some some laser blasts and some fighting but after a second it dies down and you hear 
bootsteps walk up to the communications relay on the other end. And you hear Captain Calvin say, Who is this? Who's on the other end? Uh, it's Raquel. Oh, good. I worried it was those goddamn pirates again. I've been able to hold them off for a little while, but it seems like there's an endless number of them. L- what do you have for me, though? Oh, I don't know that we have enough battery to go over all of it, but uh, have you figured out why why any of the systems died and the reactor died? I haven't pinpointed exactly what's going on, but I've been able to turn them on, but almost as quickly as they turn on, they they drain and die again. It's like there's something pulling the energy away from systems that are online. When they die, there's nothing wrong with them. But it's like the power is being drained out of them, so I can't get signals out. Oh. Okay. Have you guys figured out a way for us to get off of the ship? Is there any way I can blast a hole or find a way out? Is there anything that I can do, or am I just a sitting duck here? Well, good news and bad news. Bad news, you're a sitting duck. Good news, you seem to be getting better at this investigation thing. So we'll find you a way. We'll find a way. We have to get off this ship. It's crazy. I don't even... It's crazy. Well, I will find a way by the time we make it back. Just be safe. You hear some more laser blasts and Calvin sounds a little further away. And she says, Whatever you do, make it quick. If you can figure a way out, I'd like to bring the manticore, but if we gotta take an escape pod off of this thing and blow it up from the outside, that works too. But right now, I got some more pirates to handle. And then you hear a a ruckus of lasers and guns being loaded, and, and she's very deftly holding her own against Punch's pirates. When it disconnects, I, I like subconsciously put my hand on Parcel's shoulder and I'm like, I don't think we're supposed to blow up the ship. That seems like a very bad idea. There's a lot of innocent people, but I didn't want to tell her that that was going to take too long. Um, yeah, we got, we got to, we, okay. So maybe the ship is, is sucking all of the energy to power itself Parcel shrugs. I mean, he he doesn't know anything about technology. Oh, no, I was just talking to Crumb. I would just, like, <laughs> put my hand on okay. Parcel to, like, reassure him. He Parcel don't know shit. Crumb, Crumb is detaching the batteries, trying to save whatever life he can out of them. And you see his eye, you know, he, he's thinking. He's, he's concentrating on something while he's taking this apart. And he hands all the components back to you. He looks back into your face. I don't I don't think that's it. This ship is enormous. Even if they overloaded the reactor in the Manticore, it would be a drop in the bucket for a ship like this. There's There's gotta be some other reason to to do that. Are they just I don't know. The examples that they, they showed us in the longhouse when we were down there was just dead technology. It, it looks like they were in good condition. They were just turned off. So then maybe there's a, like, almost like an EMP field that's preventing things from turning on to protect themselves from whatever this darkness is. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. I feel a little bit out of my depth, but yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's like an EMP field. As you say that, you see these three orbs come into existence about 20 feet away from you spinning in a circle 
And after a moment of that, the seer appears in the middle of them. The spheres stop and tuck themselves under the, the seer's robes again, and they float towards you very slowly. And they call out to you and say, You're not far off from what it is, but EMP is a little archaic for what we're doing. Now, if you wouldn't mind coming back with me, we have some unfinished business that I believe we should take care of. Without moving or like making it known that I am trying to send a telepathic message to Crumb, which I don't feel is that hard now. I just, I say telepathically to Crumb, I don't, I don't trust them. I, I don't know if we should go with them. I mean, I'll go, but I don't, I don't feel good about that. Crumb sends back to you. I don't trust this guy as far as I could blast him. And that's a considerable distance. Okay, so we run? Oh, well, running might not work. He can pretty much teleport anywhere. Crumb turns his eye, like he, he shifts over and he looks at you, and he winks, and again, he's only got one eye, so it's a little hard to wink, but you know yeah. he's winking. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, it's still weird, but I got it. You are are standing with Crumb, and Parcel takes, again, what the seer's saying seriously, and, and begins walking that way. And the the seer addresses him and says... I have found a new place on the ship for you to live. I believe it would be unsettling for you to go back to your people. But you are still useful. And you see Parcel's body kind of deflate. He loves his people. He was the leader of his people. A leader of his people. And he accepts this with calmness, but you can tell that the the news is not what he wanted. He was hoping to, to go back home. Having been addressed by a seer and what he considered an oracle and all of these grand beings in his mind, he was hoping to go back and tell the story to other generations, and now he's being essentially outcast. The seer looks at you two, and he says, I know you're trying to run. But I doubt, and before he can finish that sentence, Crumb has wound his entire body up into, like, you you rotate a towel and you, like, yeah. smack it. <laughs> and as all four of the Tesla coils come into contact with each other at the end of this, this winding carpet, yeah. they all smack. And as they hit, an enormous lightning bolt smacks into the seer and blasts him and Parcel down the hall. Oh, and the parcel. Crumb, okay. <laughs> Crumb just turns to you. This is a chance. We gotta go. I half a glance at Parcel because I feel so bad that he just that happened. But the run, run like bad out of hell. Are you still following the the path that was sent to you? Are you still trying to follow that uh, that RPG? Yeah. You know, follow this line in the ground kind of thing. I think instinctively I would. Instinctively I would, but now I'm questioning if if the seer knows about this path also. Yeah, she would she would just still be following that because she she thinks it's safety. As you're running, 
you and you and Crum are just hauling it, mm-hmm. and you're you're following this path. Crum sends to you telepathically. I think I know how they found us, and I need you to quiet your mind as much as you possibly can. Oh, there is a lot going on in this mind right now, Crum. This is an adventure, and this is more than a five gold adventure. Um, just five gold and a party. Give me a willpower uh, roll. You know, the things I'm good at. Rolling dice. No. <laughs> um. Oh, not bad. Ten. Oh, that's that's a full success. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, as you're, <laughs> yeah. As you're running and crumb tells this to you. So give give me a little background on Raquel being a psychic in her family. Is this an odd thing? Is she a, a one-off? Is she common for the 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 people that she comes from for being a psychic? Did she get any special training? Give me a little bit about her her psychic background. She got some training, but her family produced a couple psychics in the generations and and she wasn't really told much about it but i but something gave their their family a bad taste about it and so she was raised to believe that everybody was going to take advantage of her psychic abilities and so she was very sheltered and she lived a very like she didn't get to go do a lot of things which is why on her first opportunity well let's be honest second or third opportunity she ran and she she wanted to get away and see the world because not everybody was going to so she was she was sort of trained but not not very much um because you know got to protect the dog got to protect our daughter we don't want if she knows too much people are going to want to people are going to want to take advantage of her and and she's very special and so it was annoying to her but you know, she can probably clear her mind. It's probably one of the very few things that they taught her well. You've never really had a, a person give you instruction like Crumb. Oh, yeah. Especially not of Crumb's ability. Oh, of course, yeah. In the, the short amount of time of interaction you've had with Crumb, he's been sharing some secrets with you, you know, just as you're traveling, mm-hmm. you guys have been communicating psychically, and he's just kind of been testing you and you know talking to you and playing jokes and he has been testing your abilities more for his own knowledge to see how good of a psychic you are as well as just to hang out with another psychic Mm -hmm. and as you're running and he tells you to clear his clear your mind you're able to essentially turn off the outgoing psychic messaging that the the latent psychic abilities you have that are just always there you're able to calm them down but you're able to keep this very clear picture of where you're going as well so you have have just shut down all of the things that they can find you with while also keeping your psychic abilities to yourself nice and crumb being being as close as he is to you can still feel your psychic powers and he turns to look at you and he just he nods and he keeps following you i mean even nodding is a little bit weird he's a he's a portuguese man of war i'm used to i at this point i'm used to it but yeah (laughs) 
it's his entire body and it kind of deflates when he does it like a balloon. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a, it is definitely weird. You guys are, are running through these corridors. The directions aren't straightforward. Like as you're running, you realize there are some places that you're almost doubling back on. It doesn't really make sense. But you haven't run into anybody either. There's not maintenance droids. There aren't other seers or other creatures that are, are working anywhere. It's completely empty. But finally, you get to an intersection and the little path in your head, the light that's on the ground, takes you directly into a wall. Crumb, is this an ability I've not unlocked yet? Because I don't remember anybody telling me to go through walls. Crumb, and Crumb looks at you and goes, becoming incorporeal is not something that I think psychics can do. So I don't get it either. Okay, well... And I touch the wall to make sure the wall is real. The wall itself is is real. Okay. There is physical material there. Just making sure that it was not a simple answer you were trying to get past me. Okay, well, Crumb, I... Uh, um, hmm. This is not... Not great. Do I... Because I had that path in my head, do I know how far I am from the destination? Like... Yes. You know, your little indicator that tells you how far you've gone? Yes. How, f how close am I to where I th think I was going? You're about a half a kilometer away, and it seems like the last bit of path that you're on is a fairly straightforward... There's not a lot of turns left. It's a pretty straight path. Mm -hmm. But you got to get through mm -hmm. this wall somehow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, so... Describe to me that oh, this is so silly. Describe to me the wall, because uh, I know that there were like it. It was also kind of like running through hallways, like in a server room kind of deal. So, what is this? Does this wall look like a wall? Does this wall look like a computer? All of the surfaces in this part of the ship have wiring and access tubes, there's panels, there's places to plug devices in to, to get readouts. There's a lot of very technical things, and it seems like there is some kind of steel or hard material behind everything holding it up. Give me an intelligence roll. Okay, I'm not that bad at those. Ooh, it's only an eight. Mixed success, that's not that bad. This wall, it doesn't look out of place. It looks like a wall. But oh. some of the wiring has been redirected. And there are a couple of places on there that it looks like things that are routed from end to end have been changed to go up and then over. Huh. Okay. So, I'm feeling like I can remove a section, but I want to do it delicately. Okay. So I want to. So I'm gonna. It's gonna be a bit of like me holding it, but also me like using a little telekinesis to like maybe move some wires so that I don't like 
you know, as I pull the panel away, I lift the wires a little bit so that I don't trip them and keep them connected. Give me... I think it's willpower again for telekinesis. I'm, I'm going to say willpower because you are using... You're not using strength to move this. You are using your psychic abilities around you. Yeah. That's not great. So abilities you don't get to re-roll, but skills you do. Correct. But um, let's see. I've got a very strong argument for how this is survival and manipulation, but it's also telekinesis. I would, I would, I would say that survival definitely falls into this. Okay, good, because I rolled double twos. Oh, God. I know. So it can only stay the same or get better. Uh, So that was a three, which brings me to a whopping total of seven. That's a partial success. So that that is better than a fail. Oh, yeah. You're able to move this door and you, you get it ajar and you can see behind it. However, as you do that, some of the cords that are in the way that have been redirected, your telekinesis with having to to pull all of your psychic powers in is not as refined as you're used to it being. And you break some of these things that act as a disguise to other people looking for this. So you get the door open and you're able to get past it, but you have left tracks behind you. Okay, not great, but could be worse. Uh, let's go, Crumb, through the door. I made a door. I've <laughs> not. I've not I, I've, you've done this once or twice, but this one's the coolest. Crumb goes inside. Do you go in front of Crumb, or do you wait for him to go in front of you? I go in front of him. Okay. I we you know when a GM asks that I, I'm fear for my life, but. I would do that because I, I yeah, I, I opened the door. I would go through it. You go in and Crumb shuts it behind you. Just in case, I want it to be as hard as possible for people to track us if they don't have teleportation, which just seems broken. That just, that's unfair, isn't it? Yeah, but also if it exists, I'll probably try and learn it. You know, if you can't beat him, join him. Crumb laughs and i'm not gonna laugh in that filter because it was creepy last time uh but oh god it scared me (laughs) as he closes the door however you are plunged into pitch blackness there there are no lights behind this door you do however have three supply you can use if you want to find a flashlight or you can try and do it another way okay yeah i haven't used any of my supply because i kind of understood what they were it's essentially gear that you reasonably could carry on yourself. Right. I'm like looking at my sheet to see what that other thing could be. And I don't Nah. I'm going to use a supply and assume I have a flashlight. Uh, I, I would say definitely. When you guys were getting prepared for this, even though where you landed seemed to be in natural sunlight, I, I think everybody grabbed survival kits and they all had flashlights in them available. I did, yeah, I did definitely write down that I have a med kit. So I, yeah, I probably got a flashlight. Survival kits. So you you turn it on, and this area is not open. However, it looks like 
what you would imagine the underside of a house seeing the plumbing, the electrical, all of that run for a house on a, a crawl space. So like you get underneath and you can see the the slats of the house, you can see, and you have mm-hmm. to crawl through this to go on the path that you're trying to follow. So while it's only 500 meters away, the path has just become more difficult terrain to go on. Mm, yeah. Okay, Crumb, how you feeling about this? Uh, you float. This is probably easier for you. As you say that, Crumb pulls all of his Tesla coils a little bit closer together, and he, he essentially shrinks his entire size to the size of the four Tesla coils. And he he just turns around and looks at you and goes, Yeah, I made this body for a specific reason. It's really easy to get pretty much everywhere, so I'll go slow, but this might be a little bit more difficult for you. And Raquel's not, like, super... I mean, she's, like, you know, 5'3", skinny little thing, but she's... She, I mean, she's going in. I was just thinking if, it should, if she would give the flashlight to Crumb or if she would just, like, straight up put it in her mouth and just, like, have the flashlight there. You know that uh, scene I think that's cooler. in Ocean's Eleven where the the French guy is trying to get through all of the laser beams and he does that, like dance to get through the laser beams in the museum no but i can picture it you know that scene in mission impossible where somebody's trying to get through all of the laser beams it's in a lot of i know i was gonna see how many movies we could go through before you realize that i don't watch that i don't (laughs) you know that one james bond movie you know uh there's also a (laughs) disney pixar movie that does it uh yes i know exactly what you're talking about um yeah i know it's striking but it's, it's like that level of claustrophobic as far as where all the lasers are, but instead of lasers, it's piping and wiring, and it's not difficult to get over because you can hoist yourself over or crawl under. It's just, it's just difficult terrain. This is going to take you a while. I'm definitely feeling like the ship played a joke on me when I asked for a safe path because... I asked for, like, to get to safety and find my friends, and the ship's like, <laughs> have fun with that. As you're moving, you can see some lightning come off of Crumb's coils. He's five or ten feet ahead of you. He, he doesn't go too far. But you see him stop. Give me an intelligence roll. Oh, ten. As Crumb comes to a stop, you hear some skittering. Oh, Fungenmonger. Don't do this to me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Crumb, is that you? I have a flashlight in my mouth. Do you have to do you have to skitter? I thought you were just floating. Hey Raquel, I don't have legs. I can't skitter. Okay, I just maybe thought it was lightning. Uh, you know, this is hopeful thinking. Oh, God. Crumb waits for you to catch up to him. I want to try something, but I need you to get very close to me. You okay with that? Yeah, I mean, weirder things have happened today. And I get closer. <laughs> <laughs> as, as you get close to Crumb, he 
it essentially envelops you with the, the magic carpet, and he, he puts two Tesla coils above your head and two below your hips. And as you are securely underneath his, his little collar where he's sitting inside of it, he begins to just let off electricity and lights up the entire area around you. And as he does that, you hear a couple of voices shout out. This is not a, a, a focused electrical blast like what he did to the seer, but he's, he's definitely letting people know that he knows they're there. Uh-huh. And after a second of, of shocking this, you hear a voice go, Oh, oh why, why'd you do that? I'm just trying to help. I, I didn't know how to say hi, but I'm here now. Floating down from the ceiling of where you guys are is what Crumb would look like if he was shaped like a blimp. And it slowly comes down to the ground and floats in front of you. And as it gets close to the ground, a lot of the air comes out of it and it comes into a semi-bipedal form. Have you have you ever seen SpongeBob? You watch SpongeBob? Oh yeah, no, tons. Do you know Bubble Buddy? Yeah, okay, got it. This creature looks like Bubble Buddy, but kind of the same colors and frill as Crumb. Says, Hi, um, we have your friend Jake. Uh, my name's Feather. Uh, he said that we should be on the look for you before he passed out. He passed out. Oh my God. Okay. Also, what the fuck? And secondly, thirdly, wow. Okay. Thanks. Feather is smoking a little bit on their edges, and they they just say, you know, this this was supposed to be easy. I just uh, this is kind of a bad day. I keep getting hurt. This isn't fun. Oh, you know. It got it got weird for us. I we, I don't know. Crumb Crumb can apologize. It's fine. Crumb is Crumb's looking at Feather, and the reaction that he had when he first saw Parcel and all of the other creatures to begin with, he's got that similar expression. It, this this to him is just as strange. Every time he sees a new creature on the ship, he's figuring out where they're coming from and, and what they are. And he sends to you telepathically, I can't believe how many different creatures they've made. This is concerning. This, this is genetic engineering on a scale I didn't think we would ever even attempt. Just for, just for picturing, Am I still wearing him as a hat? Because I've imagined when he put his things on and on my shoulders and my hips that I was wearing him as a hat. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. You have like a, a crumb crown sitting on top of you. Continue. Um, Feather, Feather looks at you guys and says, You got a little ways to go, but there's a big gap. And um, I'm, I'm pretty much the only person who can get your, your, uh, wait, what are you? And he's looking at you, asking what you are. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Raquel. I mean, a Rabani, but I'm, I'm. You can call me Raquel. Feather shakes what you believe to be his head. This is so confusing. Your other friends a, a human or a Martian or something? I don't know. You guys are weird. 
And he, he turns around and just starts walking. And just every time there's something, he just floats around it and, and has no problem getting through this difficult terrain. He says, I'll be waiting for you when you when you get there, but you got about another 100, 100 meters before you come to the dangerous part. So uh, I'll be there. The dangerous part, Feather, that's not a, that's not encouraging. <laughs> you, you hear as he's walking away and goes, it's only dangerous for you. Cool. Crumb comes off your shoulders and, and looks at you and he shrugs two of his Tesla coils and he just keeps moving. Yeah, this, these, these people... I tell him telepathically because I don't know how close Feather is. These people are like mad scientists and they are just messing with things. And I mean, even though that looked really cool and borderline cartoonish, probably don't need to be messing with a nature like that. And I, I obviously continue. You get some emotions from Crom. He doesn't, he doesn't respond with words, but you get reluctance, a reluctant agreement from the vibes he's giving back to you of just, you're right. So you guys, you guys travel through this and after about 75 meters, it completely opens up and you can see the last 25 meters are leading towards this gap. And the gap's about 15 feet wide. But on the other side of the gap is a hole that is dug into what looks like a cave. It's just this big open area that you can get to. Crumb can float across. His Tesla coils can carry him and feathers can as well. But Raquel, I imagine 15 feet is a pretty big jump for you. Oh yeah, especially physical stats are not very high. <laughs> well, first I jokingly tell Crumb, can I hitch a ride? Mm, probably not. This suit can carry me pretty easily, but I've, I've tried to, to ferry people on it before and I think we would kind of fall. You're, you're not, you're not very big, but I do only weigh four pounds, so it is a little bit different. Thought we might get a whole new world moment here for a moment, but that's fine. Feather walks up to you and goes, No, that's, that's why I'm here. I'm here to help. Oh, I thought this was a puzzle I had to unravel. Let's go, and I just like hold out my, hand, my arms. As you say that, inside of this gap, this wave of energy crests over it and completely fills this void for a couple of seconds. You don't just physically see and feel this, you psychically feel this energy washing across the outside of this ship as it goes by. Oh. And then it, it moves along. And it, it looks like it, just this, this white storm cloud that, that moves across and do you do you stand and observe it? Do you wait or do you see it and want to move? What what do you want to do? So I think the first one catch if I'm feeling it psychically, I think it catches me off guard for a second. So I would stand just for a moment observing it because it's it got in my brain. Do you still have your flashlight out? Oh yeah. It's not in my mouth anymore, but I'm pretty sure I saw my flashlight out. As the wave moves past you, your flashlight turns off. Oh shit. And as it leaves, it turns back on. Crumb? Crumb, you see that? I felt that. I felt it too, but like, then I saw it. Also, I think I'm supposed to run across it. 
and Jake is on the other side. Well, there's really only one way to find out. Do you... do you trust Feather? Not as far as I can throw him. But I'm also developing trust issues. This is going to require a lot of therapy. Oh, you know, what's the worst that could happen? She said, knowing the worst that could happen. (laughs) Feather walks up to you and goes, Uh, yeah, if you don't trust me, this is going to be a little weird, but uh, I promise I'm here to help. Okay. As you agree to this, Feather walks up to you and he touches your hand. And as he touches you, he completely engulfs you. And he sucks you into his his bubble-like body. And as he does that, he begins to inflate. And he turns into this big bubble. And you begin to float across this gap. And Crumb follows behind you, making sure that he's not doing anything that he shouldn't be doing. And you guys safely float across this gap. And you land on the other side. And as you touch ground, Feather comes off of you and turns around and he looks at you and he goes, Hey, um, it's going to take you guys a little while to travel to the end of the cave and I need to let everybody know you're here. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to motor along, but you know, just, just make your way when you can. And Feather gets off of you and turns into, (laughs) imagine seeing a, a, one of the balloons that they turn into balloon animals uh huh. Like how it, if you let go, it just like. Whew. Yes. That's essentially what that was he does. Exactly to what get I was going to picture, and that is adorable. <laughs> he gets moving, and you and Crum are again left alone at the edge of this this precipice. And as you're standing there, the the wave crests again, and the same thing happens. Your flashlight turns off, and and you're flooded with this psychic pressure. It it's not the same message. There's not this meaning behind it but you're you're just flooded with this energy crumb a thought just appeared to me why don't your tesla coils turn off when the wave goes by crumb turns back to you and he he looks very seriously at you i made my suit out of some pretty exotic materials it, it must not be affected by this. Honestly, when I made this, I, I tried to make sure that it didn't give off any signals. People wouldn't know that I was coming. To be honest, I wasn't the first one to make this, so all the details are a little bit fuzzy. Uh, that's, that's one of the things. That's, that's an advantage and a disadvantage. I can remember most important details of me in whatever form I was in over the last couple of hundred thousand years, but I can't remember exact details. So I don't remember the schematics for this, but I know how it works. And that's the important thing. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a very, very good explanation. Do you happen to have any more of that stuff laying around? We could just like maybe coat the ship, give it like a fine little layer outside the geomanticore, get the hell out of here. I don't. But I get the feeling we could find some here. Oh. oh. I also would have got that feeling if I'd have thought about it. By the way, we're doing this while we're walking. Yes. Yeah, yeah, You guys uh, continue to walk. And as you're moving, you can see this big, big opening in the cave. Like, you've been walking through probably a, 
10 by 10 corridor and you see it begin to open up and you can see some lights and you hear some commotion going on further down, but you can't make it out yet. You're still pretty far away. And in front of you, three orbs show up in this spinning motion. Fuck. And as you're looking at it from inside of it comes Hagen. Oh. He turns around and looks at you and he opens up his, his chest with all of his, you know, his cabinet space uh-huh. in his chest, and the three orbs zip inside of his tummy. Oh, that's nifty, dude. As Hagen appears and approaches you, he comes up and he gives his greetings, and from behind him, you hear dozens of footsteps and bootfalls and crunching and whispers and all of these weird noises coming from out of the darkness is... Jake Lucas leading many, many dozens of different types of creatures. Some have legs, some have wings, some are legless, moving like serpents, some are moving in ways you've never really considered creatures to move. And Jake walks up to the front of you and waves, and he stops. Do you have something to say to Jake? Oh, well, someone's been busy. David Hallman, Doug Holly, and Nicholas Snyder. Additional voices provided by Adam Goodrealt. Goodrealt. Listen, it's it's French Canadian. I'm, I'm trying. He plays Norman D on Cheaper by the Dungeon and is also the composer of all of their lyrics and music for their four fully produced musicals. He has no personal socials, but he does use the Cheaper by the Dungeon Twitter at Cheaper Dungeon on Twitter. Music provided by Kevin McLeod and TabletopAudio.com. As always, thank you for listening.